just putting the context into this message on the kingdom for king and country, um, why is it so important for us? I, I make the comment many times that Living Stones is a kingdom church, and, and well, what does that mean? And as we're beginning to understand, the kingdom was the main message of Jesus. We're going to get into that in the weeks ahead. And just if you're a guest here today, this is more of a teaching series and a preaching series. I'm trying to lay some track because there's so much we need to gain from the kingdom of God. So number one, how many of you know our identity comes from the king? Um, our security comes from the king. Our mission, this is important, our mission comes from understanding the king and the kingdom. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to go through your whole life, for us to go through our lives and completely miss out on the purpose for our creation? I mean, I mean that would be terrible. And how many of you know many people miss out? They, they, they stand before the Lord someday and it's like, you know, they, they, never, they never understood who he is. They never understood who they are. They never understood what we together are supposed to be doing. They, they, it's never connected. And it would be a terrible thing to go through your whole life and, and find out that you lived a lie or that you completely missed out on the purpose. Now, this is the other thing. We're a church that believes in the supernatural, amen, that God is a miracle-working God. And so at the end of every service, we lay hands on people. We pray for people. I, I heard the testimonies from the, this weekend from the women, uh, just amazing move of God. How many of you know God still heals hearts? God still heals bodies. God still works through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was just talking to a member of our family uh, last night who went to the women's encounter, and she had just met with us uh, uh, for, for dinner the night before, and she used a certain expression to describe the condition of her heart. Well, Brittany had an had a impression on her heart that she was supposed to pray for Lisa, and, but she didn't know how all that was going to happen. And, and as the Lord guides and directs, how I many you know we don't have to make anything happen? They ended up praying. And the very words that Brittany shared as God was showing her about Lisa's heart were the very words Lisa had used on Thursday to describe the condition of her heart. Her eyes got as big as a saucer because she's like, how did you know that? Well, it's not that Brittany knew it, because Brittany didn't know it, but the Holy Spirit knows it, and the Holy Spirit lives in Brittany, and the Holy Spirit's pursuing Lisa's heart, and he used the exact expression. Now, again, I'm laying some track here this morning, because how many of you know Brittany is somebody who's trying to live in the kingdom? Amen. Aren't you, Britt? Live in the kingdom. And uh, so when you live in the kingdom and you're under the king and you're about the king's business, and if Jesus established for us what kingdom ministry looks like, because that's what he preached and that's what he modeled, and then here's the cool thing, and we're going to make some connections here as we're moving, the life of Jesus is our model for every human being now. Now, that's a big leap for most people because we just, we just suggest that Jesus did all the cool things he did because he was Jesus. But as we're going to see, Jesus came to reestablish the dominion and authority that we gave up in the garden and to teach us what it looks like to be a human being fully submitted to the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he opens up a whole new understanding of what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus and somebody living in the kingdom what it does is it elevates your understanding 
not so that we're looking forward to heaven or that we're looking forward to the millennium or whatever else future, but that we're looking to do what Jesus did now. This moves us from playing church to being the church. And you talk about a game changer. This changes everything about what we're... It changes why we're here right now, because why we're here right now is not to punch the religious time clock, you know, did that. This is training for reigning, all right? <laughs> this, is, this, is, uh, this is where we, we learn and understand who we are, and we practice what God's called us to be so that we can take it from here, because I mean, you know this is not the center of activity. This is, the lock, this is like the locker room. This is where we come in for the, uh, the coach gives us some instructions from, the, from his playbook, and we, we worship the king, and then we get wisdom to know how to live out there, which is where we spend most of our time, amen? And we understand that we're not just going through life waiting to die someday, but we're going through life, eternal life now, with the king and his kingdom in mind, and realize we're part of something so big and so unstoppable we go from being losers to being winners. Come on. Uh, and uh, we're a part of something that's amazing. And it, 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 it infuses your life with passion and hope and strength and vision and courage, all of those things when you understand the king and the kingdom. It also helps us understand that life is not easy and that we're in a war and that we're not on the love boat. Anybody have a realization this week that you're not on the love boat? Now, like some, sometimes you just get knocked right off the love boat with a big old wave. Now, this is the love boat right here. Welcome to the love boat, all right, because that's, what, that's the way we roll in the kingdom. But we're in a battle, and it helps us understand the challenges that we go through, the attacks that we go through, and it helps us understand Jesus' ministry more clearly. So I just want to quickly review a little bit, and then I want to talk this morning about the promised king. Again, I, I'm, I'm, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell this amazing, beautiful story of redemption that's laid out in the Scriptures. Here's why it's important, so we can find our place within the story. All right? Like, who are we? Where do we fit in the larger story that's being told? So I shared with you last week, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 15, or two weeks ago. The Bible says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. We talked about this creator king. If you don't understand that you were made by God and that you were made for God and that God's large and in charge and he's a king, uh, you'll mess up the Christian life. If God created you and God rules over you, then how I many of you know our response is very simple? We worship and we submit. And I shared with you, you'll never be able to move in kingdom realities until you let the king rule you and your heart personally. Anybody want to be ruled by Jesus? Yes. All right. Anybody want to just do it on your own? All right. Please don't raise your hand. That would be embarrassing to you <laughs> and very stupid. All right. Uh, if God is a creator, can you understand why Satan has attacked creation so hard with a counterfeit lie that this all happened by accident? Uh, he attacks creation because if there's a creator, then we are responsible to the creator. And if the creator is a king, then that means we come and we bow 
and we give ourselves to the king. It's pretty simple, isn't it? But it's, it's Christianity 101. So you can't experience being born again, and you can't enter the kingdom until you come under the authority and dominion of the king in your heart personally. Jesus wants to conquer you, and he wants to conquer me. Anybody want to wave the flag of surrender this morning? Some of you, that's exactly what we need to do every time we come together is re-surrender to Jesus and let him be the king over everything that's going on in us. We shared with you after this beautiful account of creation, God gave a dominion mandate. Everybody say dominion. That's a great word, dominion mandate. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And look at the next three words. They will do what? Reign. Now, this is important. Part of the mentality and the identity God wants to establish in us is that we're called to rule and reign right here and right now. I'm not talking about demonic, wicked, secular, godless reigning, which takes dominion over people. I'm talking about reigning to serve. I'm talking about reigning to bless. Everybody know what I'm talking about. But let me just talk about eschatology, all right, in times. There are many people that are looking to leave the planet. They're, they're looking for the return of the king because they think they're going to leave. But God's will was never for us to leave but to reign. Not to leave, but to lead. And so much of the church is sitting around waiting. And can I just tell you, if you don't understand the kingdom, you get born again, and then you wait. And while you're waiting for the king to come back, you try not to fall off the ship. You try not to sin too much and lose your, your salvation, right? You, you try not to backslide. What a pathetic understanding of the Christian life. So our job right here and right now is not to curse the darkness, but to transform the nation and the nations of the world. You see how this, ch this changed everything? Like, I'm not like, oh, my gosh, the Antichrist, oh, it's so bad, and oh, all the evil. Every time we're complaining about evil, it's an indictment on the church that we're not being who God's called us to be on the planet. So it's, it's a shift in our mentality. So we're, we're not living in fear of what's happening in the world. We're moving in faith to take dominion over what God has originally given to us. Yeah. Well, this is why, well, Pastor, we, we, you shouldn't be up there talking about politics or education or whatever. What are you talking about? We're supposed to be in charge. Yes. In charge of what? In charge of all of the created realm. Yes. Well, you know, this is the marketplace. You really can't bring that Jesus stuff into the marketplace. Where did you get that misinformation? Our first mandate all the way back in Genesis was to take dominion and to rule and reign and to bring everything in subjection to the king of glory and to fill the earth with the glory of God. So how in the world are we supposed to not be doing certain things? And so I'm just telling you, a, a, a warped understanding of our mission has caused the church to be very weak and sick and escapist in our mentality. And I just want to encourage you, if you were to die today, your spirit would leave and you would go to be in the presence of the Lord in an intermediate heaven. But God's desire was never to take you off planet Earth to heaven. God's desire was to bring heaven to Earth, and that's exactly what he's going to do in the new heavens and the new Earth. So that's only intermediate, praise the Lord for it. But we're coming back here, and he is going to reign on a new, a new Earth that's without sin. 
And, uh, and you're going to be doing stuff. We're going to be leading stuff. We're going to be serving, blessing, growing, writing, creating. It's going to be amazing. But all that's lost if you're looking to leave. And so the creation and the commissioning of human beings was the first introduction and establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. We were entrusted with dominion and given leadership and delegated authority under our king. And this is so good. We were not here as slaves and servants, but God said, you're part of my family. And since he's a king, we're part of a royal family. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to, I like to just ponder on that because... You act differently. You conduct yourself differently when you know that you are part of royalty. You don't act certain ways. You don't freak out about certain things that paupers freak out about. You carry yourself differently. You don't understand what I'm saying. Now, we're not expecting you to say, go to work and say, you know, I'm, I'm King Sam. You know, Cam, you go, to, you go to work next week and you, you let everybody know, hey, I'm, I'm King Sam. Could you all roll out the red carpet and bow when I come walking in? That's not what we're talking about. But here's, what, here's, what, here's, what, here's a good way to think about this. I am King Ron, and I announce in the morning to every principality and power over this region that I'm here as a representative, I'm an ambassador of the king, I am a regent, I represent another kingdom, and all of hell should be rolling out the red carpet and bowing because I'm walking in the authority and dominion of King Jesus on planet Earth. Does that make sense? So we announce these things in the spiritual realm to deal with the physical realities that are around us, and it's very important that we understand who we are. Now, I shared with you last, a couple weeks ago that Adam and Eve lost their sense of authority and dominion. They rebelled against the king, and they committed treason. And we mentioned treason is the ultimate act of betrayal. It, it is a declaration of independence from the king and from the kingdom. And the moment Adam exercised independence, he became a slave. And, and let me just say, why do we do Encounter Weekends? Why do we go to the nations of the world to preach the gospel? Why are we focused on loving people and, and setting people free? It's because we're in slavery and we're in bondage. It's because of our independence. It's because of our rebellion. And I want to use this word because it's a word that should cut to our heart. Any of you that value loyalty and commitment and all these things, God calls us traitors. The, the essence of our sin is a, an intentional rebellion against God. It is a rebellion against God's ways. It is, it is a, an independent spirit that separates me and where I choose to do it my way. Of course, that's the theme song of hell, Frank Sinatra, right? I did it my way. Uh, that is the theme song of hell. Everybody who wants to do it your way instead of God's way, that's exactly your inheritance. And that's what Satan did. It, it, when, when Adam fell, he did not fall from heaven, please hear me. He fell from dominion. Yes, that's right. He gave up his authority on planet Earth, and Satan loves to sweep in, and he, Satan is the ultimate squatter. Satan comes in, and he inhabits, and he acts like he's the owner of things that are not his. Can I just say this personally? There are people that are in bondage this morning. Here's what it means to be set free. You tell the squatters, get out of my life. You have no authority in my life. I am not under your authority. I am coming under the authority of the king. 
I prayed with a woman last week who was dealing with terrible anxiety, and we simply asked this question. Now, listen to me. This is a simple question. What kingdom is anxiety and fear part of? It is not part of the kingdom of God. Why are you living in anxiety and fear? I don't know. Do you want to live in that? No, I do not. Then take authority over the squatters in your life who are keeping you in bondage to things that are not part of your inheritance. You have to know who you are, and you have to know what God has given you. You have to know your rights, and you have to be able to take dominion or else you live under the jurisdiction of a squatter king who's a usurper, he is a liar, he is a cheat, he is a thief. There's not one thing on this planet, including you, that belongs to the devil. Unless you're still living a treasonous life, a life of rebellion. The good news is God offers amnesty to all of us rebels. Praise the Lord. God offers amnesty to the rebels. In Genesis 3.15, it is the very first promise of a king that's going to come. And I want you to see this. We, we shared this a couple weeks ago. When, when Adam and Eve uh, committed treason, God could have judged Satan and could have judged Adam and Eve at that very moment, and none of us would be here today, and we'd, be, we'd be, all be hopeless, all right? But this is what he did. Instead of judgment, he gave mercy. And right in the midst of the fall, after this treasonous act against the king and against the kingdom, God says in Genesis 3.15, there's going to be a promised seed that's going to come and bruise Satan's head. In other words, the, this king that is going to be coming to planet Earth is going to absolutely destroy that king and his kingdom. The prophet Isaiah, listen, because some of these passages, I want you, I'm wanting you to see, we're focusing on the promise of the coming king. In other words, God is reestablishing that he is sending someone who is going to reclaim planet Earth for his purposes and going to reestablish and redeem people out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of his son. So take a look with me on the, on the, uh, on the screen. Isaiah chapter 9. We, we read this many times at Christmas, but it has a much broader meaning than just simply Christmas. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And look at this word here, the government. I mean, that speaks of, of, of a king and a kingdom. The government is going to rest on the shoulders of this king named Jesus. He's going to be called the wonderful counselor. That means he's going to be moving in supernatural wisdom. He is the mighty God, which means he's going to be moving in supernatural power. He's the everlasting Father. Isn't that a great word? Which means he will never leave us or forsake us. He will always be a daddy to us in the fullest, most beautiful sense of the word. And look at what his kingdom is going to be known for. It's, he is going to be the prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. This is amazing. His rule, or he will rule, rather, with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And how do we know this is going to happen? This is a great promise, but how do we know this is going to happen? Well, check this out. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. How do we know that this king is going to come, that he is going to bring in his, the fullness of his kingdom, and that that kingdom will never, ever end how do we know that this is true? Because the passionate commitment 
of God Almighty, the Lord of Heaven's armies, will absolutely bring this about. So again, if you don't have a vision of a creator king who is all-powerful, then you will have little faith in the promises of God. But if you know you have a creator king who rules and reigns in all authority and power, then you look at promises like that and you go, thank you, Jesus, we're a part of a kingdom that is without end. Thank you, Jesus, the devil has no authority over you and cannot touch your kingdom ever, ever, ever. And we're a part of a kingdom that is unshakable. I'm a part of a kingdom that's unshakable. And you start connecting dots and it changes the way you live. So here's the king. He's being prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus is born. Take a look at the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man. Does anybody know who the Son of Man is? Jesus' favorite title for himself. Daniel had a vision of Jesus coming with the clouds of heaven, and he approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. And look at what God the Father bestowed upon the Son of Man. Authority, honor, sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end and his kingdom will never be destroyed. Now look at what happens when we come in and we worship the king. In fact, I hope when we come in, there's a sense of royalty about our gathering. We're declaring Jesus and exalted the exalted king, high and lifted up, seated at the Father's right hand. And what should be a part of our worship? How about this? We give him all authority. When you come to church, do you surrender your life? This is the first day of a brand new week. I hope you just say, Lord, take my life, take my business, take my family, take my kids, take my worries take my concerns. I give them to the one with all authority. Are you with me? Look at the next thing. He's given honor. What do we do in our worship? We honor the Lord. We sing about his greatness. We celebrate with passion. Why is Living Stones worship marked by passion? Because only passionate worship is fit for a king. I'll say that one again. Only passionate, heartfelt, fiery, yielded, joyful worship is worship fit for a king. All the rest is religion. It's just religion. And I want you to see this. The Old Testament vision of this king was very limited to Israel. It was, it was a vision of the king that was going to come and liberate Israel, God's people from their enemies. But I want you to see something. You see it all the way here back in Daniel's understanding. He was given a revelation that was far greater. He understood that the authority and the honor and the sovereignty was over not just Israel, but over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. How many of you know Christianity is not a Western phenomenon? He's not the God of the Western folks. Jesus is Lord of all the nations on planet Earth, which is why, can I just say this, why we take a significant portion of our tithes and offerings and invest them in reaching unreached nations. Why do we do this? Because Jesus is king of all the nations on the world. We are his emissaries. We're his ambassadors. We have been given the authority to take the gospel to the unreached. 
Now, I, I, I'll have to show you the picture next week, but in the picture, Pastor Dick and Susie are with Clay and Anita Brooks, and right in the center is one of God's secret agents in, in the Pacific uh, uh, Rim, all right? His name is Joshua. He is an anointed apostolic man of God in the nation of Vietnam. How many know Vietnam is uh, communist? And there are unreached people groups all over. There we go. That man in the center is a kingdom dignitary representing God's kingdom. He's a secret weapon. He's a SWAT team member for the kingdom of God. You wouldn't recognize anything special just looking at any of those folks in that picture. But how many know they're sons and daughters of the Most High, and they'd be given authority to take dominion over planet Earth and to take the gospel and to declare amnesty to people of every tribe, every nation, every language? Right now, they're in a nation, ready for this, with seven churches for seven million people. Now, 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 please hear this with me. I'm connecting dots. Why do we have to stay invested in the nations of the world and in unreached? Because why should seven million people be waiting to hear the gospel when we have churches everywhere on every corner and we've got the gospel everywhere why should we not be making investments, significant investment, in making sure those people in Myanmar have a chance to hear the good news, that they can be forgiven of their traitorous rebellion and that God's heart is wide open to them and he's inviting them in as sons and daughters into his kingdom. The vision that God gives us is every nation, tribe, language. Listen, this means that God is such an amazing king and that Jesus Christ, his son, co-ruler with him over the globe, is so amazing that it's not a matter of ethnicity. It's not like, well, I don't know if I could follow him. He's not part of my tribe. No, every nation, tribe, language, bowing before him, that shows you how awesome our king is. And it shows you the scope of his leadership. It is awesome. Look at what King David said. He who sits enthroned in the heavens laughs at their rebellion. Can I just say this? God's kingdom is not under threat because of rebellious subjects or because of the kingdom of darkness. This is not like this global contest and who's going to win. Oh, we know who's going to win. That's not the issue. God laughs at every wannabe dictator who shakes his fist at him. God laughs at the rebellion of hell. This does not threaten him. Look at what he says. The sovereign Lord scoffs at them, and in supreme contempt he mocks them. Then he will speak to them in his profound anger, terrifying them with his displeasure, saying, yet as for me, listen to what God says, I have anointed and firmly installed my king, his name is Jesus, by the way, upon Zion, my holy mountain, and I will declare the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. This day I proclaim I have begotten me, begotten you. Ask of me, and I will assuredly give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. This is amazing. So, so what is that little mini team doing in Myanmar right now? They are enforcing Psalm 2. They're saying, God, you said that you would give to your son Jesus the nations of the world, and we're here in his name, under his authority, under his assignment, on his mission to decree that this nation of Myanmar belongs to Jesus Christ. 
That's what missions is all about. It's declaring every square inch that we place our feet belongs to God. Now, can I just share with you, if we understood this, there would not be a one of us who would ever be bored with why are we here or what are we supposed to be doing? We are reclaiming the planet for the glory of our king. Well, pastor, which parts? Every part. One of my favorite quotes, there's not one square inch of planet Earth over which Jesus does not declare mine. Mine, mine. And so part of what we're doing is sharing the good news about this king and declaring to, to a traitor of subjects that there's amnesty, that they can repent, that they can come to the Lord, and that they can begin, listen, this is important, they can begin to experience his kingdom now. Yes. We say, well, pastor, I thought the kingdom was for the future. Well, it is. It's the past, it's the present, it's the future. It's all of those things. But remember, and we're going to get into this in more detail in the, in the weeks to come, when Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom is in your midst. Yes. Amen. I mean, you know, Jesus cast out evil spirits. Jesus healed people. Every one of those signs was a demonstration of a collision between two kingdoms. So what I'm trying to tell you is we have the authority under our king and in intimacy with our king, I mean, you know, our authority is delegated authority, so we never just do something without knowing it's the blessing and direction of our king. So we stay in intimacy with God, and then we move in kingdom authority. And as you move in authority, you will see God release his kingdom blessing through you. You will see signs and wonders and miracles as you act as an emissary of the king. Or you can just be a boring religious church person. This is a no-brainer, folks. This is a no-brainer. But you got you to see it before you can be it. If you don't see it, you, you won't even have an understanding or a vision of what it is that God wants to do in, in and through us. How I many you know God's always challenging us that there's exceedingly abundantly more than we've ever experienced or tasted? So can I tell you something else? Religious people will always say, well, you know, I just have never experienced that. Stop letting your lack of experience stop you from the God who says there's exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask or think waiting for you. Why are you letting your past experience dictate your present reality or your future blessing? It's just a good question I thought I would ask this morning. All right. So when John the Baptist comes, I'm bringing you up to speed. When John the Baptist comes, he is here to prepare. He is the, he is the lead team, all right? He's a wrecking crew of one, but he's, he's coming to do the advance work because royalty is coming. Now, let me just say, if we had a, a foreign dignitary or we had the president, we had somebody that is a p person who embodies great authority and they were coming to speak at Living Stone, they were coming here, how many of you know there would be an advanced team that came probably weeks ahead of that person's arrival? And what are they doing? They're checking things out. They're removing obstacles. 
They're, they're, they're looking at, at the facility for safety purposes. They're thinking through all the details to make sure that when the king or that person that of royalty arrived, everything was in order. Yes. What's John the Baptist doing? He says, repent. Amen. He's going to take all the high places and bring them down. He's going to take all the low places and bring them up. He's going to remove all the obstacles because he says, the king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make your hearts right. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I want you to look at this. Uh, Luke chapter 1. Again, we read this in the context of Christmas usually. And how many know Luke chapter 1 is not just a Christmas verse? Look at verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, and you're going to conceive, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. He will be very great, not just great, very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a what? Why does Jesus get a throne? Because he's a king. He's going to be given the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. This was the birth announcement for Jesus. It was a royalty announcement. Mary, you think of yourself as nothing. You're just a, a young virgin girl. You don't come from wealthy family. You don't come from high esteem. You don't come from royalty. But God's going to do something amazing through you. You're going to give birth to a king whose, whose throne will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And then John the Baptist comes along. I'll close with this. Mm, that clock drives me crazy every week. I hate it when I got this much done and this much more to go. I mean, you know, that's, that's a problem that we have here. Look at what Zechariah prophesied about Jesus. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior, check this out, from the royal line of his servant David. That's because he's a king, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. And then he goes on to prophesy about the ministry of his son. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. Here was his message. Repent, change your mind, change your way of thinking. Repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near or literally at hand. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, John is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This is so good. So how do we prepare the way for the king's coming? First of all, in us, we repent. We stop living the way we've been living. We stop thinking the way we've been thinking. We come under the lordship of God Almighty and of Jesus Christ, his son. We invite him to be king over us. Can you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want to I pray for us. Can you recognize with me that he's been given all authority, all honor, all power, all greatness. There's nobody as great as Jesus can you just worship him with me this morning? Make it personal, right where you're at. 
Give him your life. Give him your burdens this morning. Let him dictate his plans for you. Let him show you the mission he's called you to. Your life is not your own. You belong to the king of glory. And Father, I just pray, conquer hearts today. Change minds today. And I say this. This is the good news of the gospel. We're going to see this next week. Everywhere Jesus went, he preached the kingdom of God with signs following. If you're here today and you need a touch from God, we have a team here waiting for you. They have smiles on their faces. They love you as God loves you. And we're standing as Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet this morning. And if you need prayer for anything, if you're under oppression, if you're under depression, if you've been had suicidal thoughts, you're so you're hopeless this morning, you need to get out of the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. There's breakthrough this morning. Pastor, how do you know this? Because we know who our king is, and we know who we are, and we know what he wants to do. And so, Lord, we submit to you today, and we ask, let your kingdom come, and your will be released, Lord, in the lives of these precious people. So don't leave if you need a touch from God this morning. Don't leave if you need to get your heart right with the Lord. And don't leave if you're brand new. We'd love to meet you this morning. So take a moment, just swing your way up here, and I'd love to shake your hand and get to know you. Father, bless us as we go. God is sending us out now as ambassadors for his kingdom. Lord, use us this week and let signs and wonders and miracles follow the ministry of your ambassadors out on planet Earth. We pray this all in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise as we go. Hallelujah. Have a great week.